We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colin Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Where's the tackle? Watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find my co-host, Stefan Leco at Stefan Leco on Twitter. If you're joining us for the first time, the College to Canton show is about the journey of the best football players and prospects in college football and the NFL and the journey that takes them from being a college football recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we make sure to talk some fantasy football since this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too here for you. And uh, the week one of the college football season is in the books. Uh, if you've been following along with Stefan and I, Last week, we actually gave you two episodes with both of us together. One, checking out the depth charts uh, that were released last week, heading into week one uh, with some takeaways of some some names that could break out, some, some names that were veterans that were interesting and could have NFL futures here very soon. And then we dived into the NFL side later in the week as well. With the NFL kicking off this week, we will get right back to that with Stefan's episode here soon. But just taking a look ahead at the future of the NFL and some players that are in college right now that have already produced in a big way after just one or two games, I have to talk about the production profile pace of some of these guys. And that is three Ps in a row. That's production profile pace. <laughs> and it's I know it's just week one, uh, but I'll be walking through updates all season long to highlight some of the biggest breakouts and players trending towards draft capital. So you guys can put some names in the back of your pocket that you didn't already know. And, and also just to get an update on some of the biggest premier playmakers in the game right now 
and what they're doing. Is their stock up or down for fantasy football? Is it is it uh, just staying about the same? What what's it look like? Uh, what's it looking like week to week for some of these guys uh, that we believe are going to break football here in the near future? And so, without further ado, I do want to just jump in and, and start at the running back position uh, because I have to talk about this from a, a production perspective. But really, for me, when I when I'm looking at running back prospects, I have to admit I am more of a film based analyst because uh, we haven't found as many sticky, meaningful, productive metrics that that say, "Hey, this player is good at this nerdy stat over here, and now he's going to succeed." It just doesn't work like that across the board at the running back position. We, we love our running backs to be athletic. We love them to catch passes in, in today's day and age. But the biggest part is, do they actually win on a down-to-down basis? And I, I love breaking down the film. And so I'll start, I'll start there here. And part of like what gets us to even know to you know really watch uh, you know, a breakout player that's, that's not exactly been on the forefront of our radar is that they explode from a production standpoint, though. So... Just up top, got to look at some of the most productive guys that are on absurd paces out of the gate at the running back position. And then I just want to talk about what what makes them win, how they win, and how that can translate to the next level here. First off, Mateo Durant of Duke. I don't know if anybody actually cared enough to watch the Duke versus Charlotte game uh, on Friday, but uh, it was actually probably the best game of the week at the time. Uh, Duke was not supposed to lose. I believe they were a touchdown favorite heading into the game. Uh, Mateo Durant entered this season looking like he was going to be the lead back, but he'd been kind of in this committee before, so it wasn't. we weren't really sure if Mateo was actually going to be given the reins to that Duke backfield. And frankly, Duke has been terrible, so the optimism was low that Durant would explode. But turns out he did. Uh, dude ran for t- 255 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, including the rushing touchdown that should have sealed the game late, but Charlotte came back and won with under two minutes to go. But uh, Mateo Durant racked up a total of 292 yards from scrimmage because he took us two catches for 37 yards. The guy just dominated all game long, and it really one of his longest and most impressive run plays came near the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but all game long, he averaged almost 10 yards per touch. So 31 t- touches in total, 29 carries and two receptions. Uh, that, that kind of workload we haven't seen maybe ever out of a Duke running back. So anytime you see a workload that doesn't typically go with a certain program or a coaching staff, that stands out. Uh, so I, I dug into it. I'd, I'd been watching part of the game, but I dug into it even more. And Mateo Durant just looks like he actually has legit NFL talent. Uh, he has the athleticism that I was actually surprised. Um, you know, I, maybe it was really last year, and just just to backtrack here, he was sharing uh, the, the workload last year with Deion Jackson. And Deion Jackson uh, went undrafted this year, uh, and he was uh, an older guy, uh, about six foot two twenty ish, but he's crazy fast. Had sub four four wheels, and so he actually looked like the more quote unquote athletic back at times for Duke. But that was mainly because of what could happen if he actually didn't get stuffed at the line with his incredible speed and his speed getting to the edge and his size strength uh, ability. But Mateo Durant actually 
showed incredible strength, even though he's more like a 200-pound back. So if he gains even a little bit of weight, he has the balance, he has the vision, and uh, he caught a couple passes too. So I think Durant could be, you know, a, a one B in a committee at the next level and, and sneak into to day three capital when it's all said and done, which is, you know, actually that sound that doesn't sound super sexy for fantasy football purposes, but frankly. Running backs that, that go from, uh, you know, completely off most people's radar to, hey, they look like a, a lock for day three type consideration. That's notable. So I, I will keep an eye on Mateo Durant because he's leading all running backs in the country right now in yards from scrimmage with 292 uh, through just one game. That's on, on pace for like, you know, 3,500 yards from scrimmage this year. So that will chill out, but uh, fun and notable to, to uh, just take in in week one but another guy that is you know not the the top of the list top of the ranks list for most people but I believe he was way more on on others radar than Mateo Durant is Kenneth Walker the third uh formerly with Wake Forest transferred uh this offseason to Michigan State and um you know it was it was kind of assumed he would probably work into the lead role but man he is the unquestioned starter and feature and monster for that backfield. His very first carry, he took for a 75-yard touchdown, and he didn't stop there either. It wasn't just that one big play. He actually added three more plays in in the thrashing of Northwestern this past week uh, for at least 20 or more yards. Uh, the thing is with him, he, he's, he didn't really catch any receptions, and he hasn't been known to be uh, you know, a really huge contributor in that regard in the past. So for me, I... Even though he did have 264 rushing yards, uh, and he does have decent size, you know, like coming in you know, around 5'10", 215-ish, um, he's probably going to need to prove that he can be a receiver because coming into this year, he only had six career receptions. Uh, so he does have the balance. He does have the the, the strength for sure. And, and he actually showed a top gear that he's never really showed in previous seasons, uh, mainly because <laughs> I guess Wake Forest couldn't really block. Uh, and as I highlighted over at Rotoviz this week, Wake Forest, uh, where he came from, was like a bottom, you know, bottom twenty, bottom thirty overall type offensive line. Uh, Michigan State wasn't great last year, but they're looking better already. So if he continues to have some more running room, uh, I doubt he's going to average eleven and a half yards per carry <laughs> like he did in Week One, and I doubt he'll have four touchdowns every single week. But another just ridiculous guy on a productive. Uh, profile uh, paste that we definitely need to have on our radar. A few other names just before we get back to the uh, studs that we're more familiar with that are expecting, you know, day one and day two capital for sure. Uh, Tyler Beatty of Missouri. Yes, they played Central Michigan, so it wasn't like he was facing a world beater this past week. But Tyler Beatty, uh, a guy who was more of a timeshare guy and more of of, uh, just a receiving back in previous seasons, it's good to see him actually get a feature workload because he's a little bit smaller. He's like 5'8", you know, not even 200 pounds, uh, but he has accounted for, I think it was over 12% of Missouri's receiving yards before this season. Uh, so it was already assumed he would be the receiving back, but to take on over 25 touches in week one for Missouri, that's that's a huge, huge workload. Uh, so he's, he's probably in line to actually get some draft capital, unlike his teammate Larry Roundtree. Uh, who left the program last year. But uh, that was a huge game for him. He's going to need to add some weight. Uh, He's got some speed, and he's got some receiving ability. Needs to work on his contact balance for sure, Uh, but he definitely has that extra gear and and, uh, 
ability to add yak in terms of yak per target he was one of the highest running backs in the in the country last year so he's got that ability just to make people miss in space too so tyler Beatty, missouri keep that guy's name on your radar and then a, a name that's just awesome and fun i love is isaiah bowser uh, now with central florida isaiah bowser was with northwestern uh, had a good start, but he um, actually missed some time with injury in his uh, stint there with Northwestern. So he looks to get a fresh start, transfers out of Northwestern, goes to join Gus Malzahn in Central Florida. I, I know some people that love college football kind of uh, don't have a great relationship with uh, Gus Malzahn's offense or it being good at all. But in week one, um, the dedication to Isaiah Bowser was promising. Uh, he wasn't incredibly efficient, but Isaiah... <laughs> Malzahn gave Bowser 37 touches in one game, four of which were receptions, 33 carries for over 170 yards, uh, and and a stunning comeback victory over Boise State in week one. So keep an eye on Isaiah Bowser. He had potential, flashed even early, uh, back in 2018 as a true freshman. He had over 900 yards from scrimmage. He's just struggled to stay healthy since then. So Keep an eye on him because he could rise up into late day two consideration if Gus Malzahn continues to go all in with Bowser because right now he's sitting fifth in yards from scrimmage in the country, first among all of the AAC backs, second among group of five level competition for running backs. So Isaiah Bowser, UCF, know the name. And then Bam Knight, Zonovan Bam Knight, as, as people like to call him. That, that's a name that, just like Kenneth Walker, he's been in Debbie fantasy football conversations for quite some time. Uh, there are some truthers who already think he should be the running back two or three next year. I'm not one of those guys, but I do love Bam's physical game. He earned that nickname uh, years ago, really. But Zonovan Bam Knight, uh, exploded in NC State's debut game, and, and he could have done much more, really. But but frankly, he's stuck in a timeshare with Ricky Person still. So even though he saw 18 carries or sorry, 18 touches in week one, I doubt he'll see a workload much greater than that uh, this year. NC, NC State is a super veteran team, so they have a lot of good surrounding pieces, uh, good uh, good quarterback play, and Donovan Knight should continue to smash. And coast to a thousand yards, something he hasn't actually done as of yet in his first two years. But uh, his ferocious, fun running style with with a, with a top gear that is really fun too. Um, that that's somebody to uh, to keep an eye on as his production profile continues to blossom this year. But I, I would like to see him continue like he did last year, uh, work on his receiving contribution. He did have 20 catches last year, but he, he didn't show uh, to be incredibly efficient uh, with them. So I'd like to, to see him do a little bit more with his receiving work. He's got the strength and speed and size going for him already and a good program that's probably going to win a lot of games this year. So Zonovan Knight, Zonovan Knight could be a guy that the road of his team frankly, just has to adjust and move up our rankings because right now he's looking like a day two talent already. And then just to, just to take a look at some of the studs that we already know are amazing. Yes, Bijan Robinson of Texas, still a freaking stud. He's the only running back in the nation through one or two games thus far with 100 rushing yards and 50 receiving yards. He's got 103 and 73, respectively, there. So he's going to eat all day. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, already using him similar to how he did with Najee Harris. 
uh, getting creative and actually tossing him some receptions in the flat. I was basically the designed first read. Basically, wide receivers clearing out, give Bijan a runway and some space, use that speed and strength and receiving ability that Bijan Robinson has. Uh, he continues to dominate and should easily be a top three. Uh, running back and perhaps top three Debbie fantasy football pick for the next two years until he's inevitably picked as the first running back off the board in 2023. But he is not actually technically my running back one just yet. I'm the lone uh, stubborn guy holding out thinking that Tank Bigsby of Auburn is actually going to still be the running back one in the 2023 class. And, and Tank uh, looked really good uh, in his first matchup but obviously anyone would playing against Akron but he had 138 yards on just 14 touches and that workload probably will expand uh he just didn't need to do much because they were up by a billion points uh immediately <laughs> so uh Tank Bigsby looked the part already 10 yards per touch this year uh Brian Harson the new head coach for Auburn loves to feed feed the feature back I mentioned this before on the podcast and in articles over at Rotobiz but Harson since 2014 has seriously averaged about 23 24 touches per game that he's given to his lead feature running back for basically seven straight years so that's going to continue now with Tank Bigsby he's going to continue to feast and uh, his production profile should match that of Bijan here near the end of this season they could lead uh, together when it's all said and done in overall yards from scrimmage and virtually every meaningful running back metric. Uh, other elite guys, though, there are some questions uh, among the guys that most in the Debbie fantasy football community or college to Canton, campus to Canton fantasy football community. We rank these guys pretty highly, consider them some of the best in the nation. But after one week, uh, there's there's a couple questions uh, like Jameer Gibbs and Georgia Tech, that offense was gross. Jeff Sims went out and missed some time during the game, and the offense really suffered. Uh, Gibbs, he had 23 touches, yes, but uh, not the most efficient with them. Had three uh, receptions, yes, but only averaged about five yards per touch in this game, which is not anywhere near what he was doing last year. But again, it's good to see him used in the receiving game a little bit there. Looks like he's going to be the young question feature in that situation in Georgia Tech, I just hope it's a good situation uh, that can that really spotlight him rather than hold him down because Georgia Tech looks pretty gross early on. So definitely some concerns there. Uh, yeah, I almost forgot Isaiah Spiller. He looked okay. He was fine. Uh, again, not crazy efficient, but actually more efficient than he ever has been in a season. Uh, Average 7.2 yards per touch. His, his Previous peak in any overall season was actually only 5.9 yards per touch, which here at Rodeviz, we like to see guys, you know, in the six plus range for sure, especially yards per carry. Uh, but, uh, you know, Texas and it's it's week one, it's week one. Uh, but uh, we'll see if, as, you know, Spiller should be the 20 touch per game kind of guy for Texas A&M. Uh, we'll see if he actually uh, cleans up the efficiency and continues to improve as he has been doing, but just slower than we'd like to see. But again, back to the, the real question, guys. Zachary Evans over at TCU, uh, he's kind of the forgotten man this week, I feel like. Almost no one's really talking about this concern. But going into the weekend, he actually was benched. Like he was, he violated some team policy for TCU. And uh, so he, he basically was going to have to not start the game. Uh, and he not only didn't start the game, uh, he was barely in the game like I think he only had like five carries for like 30-ish yards and that was it 
Uh, yes, TCU played Duquesne, and he didn't need to do anything really, but uh, not a good look for Zachary Evans uh, for a guy that uh, has already had a bumpy road. Even since he was a recruit, uh, being a complete and utter drama queen throughout the entire uh, recruiting process, uh, committing, decommitting, just keeping people on a leash for forever, and then finally committing to a school that hasn't had a decent running back since LaDainian Tomlinson in TCU. Uh, and then not being a solid contributor really till about halfway through the season last year, and now he's benched in week one. Uh, that's that's not a good look. He was supposed to show up and this year just own the backfield because Darwin Barlow, the guy that he was splitting touches with last year, is gone. He's with USC. Uh, instead, Demarque Foster, uh, it was the lead back for TCU this week. So that's a that's a big red flag kicking off the 2021 NFL season for Zachary Evans. So definitely keep an eye on that situation and see if he's benched again here soon. Otherwise, we're gonna have some major concerns in terms of projecting. Uh, early draft capital for for who should be uh, Zachary Evans should be one of the best running backs in the country. He was the number one running back in his class for years until he uh, was passed by B. John Robinson, uh, mainly just because of his freaking self-inflicted drama. So again, just keep an eye on Zachary Evans at TCU. Uh, but Kyron, Kyron Williams for Notre Dame in, in a you know prime time spot against Florida State, who is not good at defense whatsoever. Uh, William got, Williams got stuffed uh, quite a bit. He only averaged 2.4 yards per carry, which is absolutely gross. Yes, Notre Dame is replacing a bunch of the offensive line. Yes, Jack Cohn looked kind of bad in the first half, absolutely cleaned it up in the second. Uh, but the, the optimistic view for him, though, is that he's a balanced contributor. He, he does literally everything that you want a running back to do, even pass protection, and he might be one of the best in the nation at that. Uh, and in that side of the game, he actually caught six receptions, uh, 83 yards against Florida State. So Kyron Williams, not a perfect game, but still a productive game in week one. Just keep an eye on his efficiency down the stretch. Uh, I still, again, would love to see him add 5, 10 pounds because uh, he is a little bit more of a slight guy. And, and so uh, needs to add something if he wants to see some serious, seriously early draft capital. And last but not least, the Oklahoma running backs before we head over to some wide receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks. Eric Gray uh, looked like the lesser back between he and Kennedy Brooks this past weekend against Tulane. And yes, the whole team looked out of sorts. They just put they, they took the foot off the pedal and I guess assumed the game was basically over after two quarters. It was not. Tulane almost came back. Uh, but Eric Gray had plenty of opportunity. He just didn't look very good. And Kennedy Brooks looked better than he did uh, on virtually every single touch. Yes, Eric Gray is new to the team. Uh, there's going to be a learning curve with the new system and everything like that. A former Tennessee uh, running back it was pretty good in that dumpster fire of a situation. So maybe he uh, cleans things up and his role expands. But uh, here at Rotoviz, we're probably going to have to change our rankings of Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray here very soon. And that gap between them is going to narrow uh, until Eric Gray looks like himself. Because uh, he going into the season, he should have been, uh, by most people's consensus, a top five running back in the nation for 2022. Uh, that, that definitely wasn't the case this week. And then, of course, Brees Hall. There were some 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 concerns, I guess, this week because he was supposed to smash uh, against Northern Iowa. But uh, one thing that, that people forget about Northern Iowa or don't know about Northern Iowa is that they basically like to play keep away. Uh, they only run about 60 plays per game. And so they limited the opportunities 
for Iowa State to do much of, of anything and uh, dedicated most of their resources to stopping Brees Hall. So we, we will see Brees Hall for Iowa State bounce back, uh, but definitely at least a situation to monitor and to see if he's actually, <laughs> you know, not maintaining some efficiency against some opponent, uh, some opponents that he should be demolishing. But uh, on the other side, I will get in, I'll get into some wide receivers, some tight ends and quarterbacks to wrap things up. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So yeah, I spent a bunch of time on the running back position because frankly, the the, the pace for running backs right now is absolutely insane. There are over 60 running backs in the country who through two weeks uh, of action, I guess one and a half because week zero was barely any games, uh, that are over 60 running backs that are averaging over 100 yards from scrimmage in you know basically one or two games. But that's absurd. It will be interesting to see how the running back production maintains. Uh, it always chills out after the first couple weeks. Guys aren't going to have 200 plus yards a game. But just absurd to see how many guys were just crazy productive on the ground uh, this week. But over two wide receivers, uh, there were some really fun, uh, not obvious names at the position that continue to smash and continue to be productive there this week. Uh, Corey Rucker, I, I mentioned him in my piece over at Rotoviz this week, the NFL Prospects Weekly. But uh, in his last two games for Arkansas State, uh, dating back to the uh, his first start, actually, in, in December of last year, uh, he actually had... 
nine receptions in both of his last two games. He had four touchdowns in his game last December, three touchdowns this past Saturday. His line in the last two games is seriously 18 catches, 448 yards, and seven scores in his last two games. Uh, Arkansas State loves to funnel a bunch of targets through their alpha wide receiver. And so Corey Rucker, he's only a true sophomore. Uh, And he was doing great things last year, even before he blew up. Uh, So Corey Rucker is a name to know because, yes, Arkansas State is not a uh, primetime program. uh, And even when they do have productive guys, a lot of times they go undrafted. But the thing with Rucker is he's being productive at a very early age, unlike many of the alphas that have gone through Arkansas here recently. So here at Rotoviz, we believe that breakout age is important. Being productive at an early age is important for wide receivers. The numbers agree with us. So Corey Rucker might be the exception uh, in one day getting some draft capital because he was a three-star recruit. It's not like he was a nothing uh, player you're coming into this process. He's a decent, decent athlete. Doesn't have like that 6'3", 220 size that we're used to seeing out of some of the alphas out of Arkansas State. But Corey Rucker looks like a lot of fun, uh, especially if you like to play uh, college fantasy football too. But going back to the guys that do have that crazy alpha frame, Eric Ezekanma of Texas Tech. Uh, that guy was going to blow up, and we all should have seen it coming because uh, a bunch of guys transferred out or left the program uh, to go to the NFL uh, last year, including uh, the uh, six foot six TJ Vasher. Eric Ozakonma looks like he's 6'3", 220 ish, very big bodied guy. Uh, just caught seven balls for 179 yards in Texas Tech's first game. He should continue to absolutely eat in the offense this year. Uh, with a new quarterback at the helm, not a ton of proven options around him. I remember the name Eric Azucanma. He's probably going to be an early day three selection when it's all said and done because the NFL likes their wide receivers to be able to separate. Uh, and Eric Azucanma is more of a jump ball guy, but he's going to absolute ball when he is asked to go for those jump balls all season long. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people, um, I don't know if you got the opportunity to watch the uh, Ole Miss versus Louisville game. Uh, on Monday night, but uh, a lot of people were watching that game hoping to see the next breakout Ole Miss wide receiver because what we've seen AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Elijah Moore all break out and do great things at an early age and then smash uh, with some draft capital and, and really be productive. Elijah Moore will probably be productive right away for the Jets as well. But uh, Dontario Drummond was the guy who really exploded for Ole Miss in week one. But the thing with him is he's like already. Uh, older than Elijah Moore, and he's like he's basically the, the near the near the age of AJ Brown. Like he's a very old wide receiver. He should be dominating right now. Grab nine balls for 177 yards and a score. That's a great start. Um, he might work into some day three capital, but don't don't go expecting him to be the next Elijah Moore, uh, given his later breakout and given that he he fits a completely different archetype in how he plays the wide receiver position. But uh, I, I still am in, intrigued just to see what other wide receivers break out around him this year because they do have a Western Kentucky transfer uh, that's interesting and a true freshman that I think probably works into the mix later on. And Braylon Brown, uh, that's a guy who should get more work as the season progresses. Uh, but yeah, so Don Terry Drummond kind of fading that production, uh, even though a lot of people love to uh, tout Ole Miss wide receivers. Uh, small school guy, though, uh, D- Jalen Tolbert, South Alabama. Uh, I think I mentioned him on a podcast or two earlier this summer, but uh, he was the first wide receiver in program history. It's still a very young college football program, but he's the first 
a wide receiver in program history to have a 1,000-yard receiving season. And he looks like he's on pace for another 1,000-plus yards easily after grabbing five receptions for 168 yards. Uh, if you follow along with some of the metrics that we like here at Rotoviz, like the Adjusted Production Index, which looks at uh, three different production metrics and combines them, he already had a 72nd percentile Adjusted Production Index. Like if you compare his, pro- his production profile last year to uh, that of basically every drafted NFL wide receiver since 2005, like he would have already been in the 72nd percentile. So he was immensely productive before doing it again. Could be one of the only small school wide receivers to actually get day two capital next spring. So keep an eye on Jalen Tolbert of South Alabama. Uh, Moving on back to bigger school wide receivers. Wondell Robinson has always been a playmaker, uh, but he's been doing that at Nebraska, not Kentucky. But he transferred and he fits the the mold perfectly to be the focal point of the Kentucky offense. Uh, Lynn Bowden uh, was a fun do-it-all kind of weapon before. Wendell Robinson comes in and, and fits that exact kind of archetype that can run and can be a receiver. Uh, and he he had five receptions for 125 yards and two scores. Uh, basically the entirety of the offense with his buddy Josh Ali there. But Wandale posted a 42% dominator rating already in week one. That should continue. Uh, I would love to see him get more work even as a, as a ball carrier. Because, uh, I mean, coming off of two seasons where he actually had over 130 uh, rush attempts in his first two years for Nebraska, uh, including, uh, you know, and then, of, of course, he had almost 100 receptions, too. Uh, he's a, just a do-it-all weapon. Uh, so he could, as the focal point of that offense at Kentucky, uh, work his way into some capital uh, here soon. And then over to North Carolina, uh, that was a monumental letdown if you're a Tar Heel fan. Sorry, guys. Uh, they lost to Virginia Tech uh, in, a, in a really rough road environment. But Josh Downs was the lone bright spot for the Tar Heels, uh, catching eight re- eight receptions for 123 yards and a score. Uh, that, that that kind of production, that, that's that's crazy. And a losing effort where the team could barely get to double digits in points, <laughs> posting an eight, eight for 123 line with a score uh, is impressive. Uh, especially impressive when nobody else caught more than three balls. Uh, and Emory Simmons just completely failed as an outside wide receiver. Could not connect with Sam Howell. Antoine Green completely failed as the other outside wide receiver. So let's hope that uh, there are some other answers there. Maybe they give Gavin Blackwell a try. Maybe they let Caffrey Brown get into the mix more. But wow, uh, it was a rough game offensively for the Tar Heels. But Josh Downs looks like he's basically half the offense or more out of the gate. And speaking of guys who uh, were playing for terrible offenses this week <laughs> that still found some production, my dude Joe Nagata for uh, Clemson, my wide receiver one back in the day in his wide receiver class, another guy that's huge, big bodied, six foot three, 220 pounds ish, just a, a really fun vertical threat, but a guy who can win underneath two, was all over the field and targeted heavily by DJ Uyangalale. And I uh, went and got six catches for 110 yards in a game where Clemson only had 178 receiving yards total. He could have had even more, but uh, there were just a couple targets that were just outside. Uh, one particular down, down the sideline, one on a deeper out route. Uh, so he, he looks like he he's going to be the focal point of that passing attack this year. I know a lot of people thought it might be Justin Ross. Might still be Justin Ross. But Jonah Gata looked like he was the only thing going on offense for the Clemson Tigers. And it's about time because the dude struggled to stay healthy. It's great to see him finally 
uh, look healthy, look like himself, and look like the dominant force that he could be. Because, I mean, he, when, when he's standing there on the field, he looks and plays similar to Julio Jones. So he has that kind of crazy, freakish round one upside if he can just put it all together for a full season. Uh, but he had 62% of the receiving yards for Clemson. So uh, remember that name, oh, a name that was long forgotten by some, uh, but was uh, you know a fringe five-star type talent uh, years ago. And then I almost um, want to put Zay Flowers here in the kind of elite category that we all should have already known was amazing. But he's just going to do this every single week. He, he grabbed seven receptions for 135 yards and a score, you know, without even having to sweat. Boston College was playing Colgate, uh, which is not a great college program. Uh, and he didn't even play the whole game, but still posted a 36% dominator. Probably going to be more like around uh, 40% when it's all said and done and and seriously had over four yards per team pass attempt. By the way, if you're unfamiliar with that metric, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's how many yards you get per team pass attempt. And the average NFL wide receiver that gets drafted uh, is around two and a half yards per team pass attempt. And he absolutely crushed that. Uh, he already had a, a fantastic adjusted production index coming in, into this year through two seasons. Uh, it looks like he's going to even improve on that. So keep an eye on Zay Flowers as, as a guy that could probably be a, a slot wide receiver in the NFL. That's probably what he's going to profile as most likely. But uh, somebody who's going to be immensely productive and the feature uh, wide receiver for Boston College this year. But on to a few guys that are just agreed upon as slam dunk studs. A bunch of guys looking the part right away. Keishon Boutte, of course on a ridiculous pace, uh, jumping out of the gate with nine catches, 148 yards, and three scores. That is now 36 receptions, 675 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns in his last four games for the LSU Tigers. Uh, In week one, he had a 72% dominator, accounting for, yes, 72% of LSU's passing offense, uh, had 3.21 yards per team pass attempt, and 6.5% and a touchdowns per team mark that would put him at the 99th percentile uh, among drafted NFL wide receivers. So uh, Keishon Boutte looks like he's on a pace to have perhaps the best production profile among uh, all of their recent LSU wide receivers. That That is in, including Jamar Chase. Yes, he had that crazy peak year, but uh, he was surrounded by volume uh, that year and, and that, vol- that volume of the entire offense. Uh, kind of raised all boats around him. So Keishon Boutte could have an even better, by the percentages, a uh, better production profile than even Jamar Chase when it's all said and done. And then, of course, we got to talk about the Ohio State duo and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Just another day at the office for them. The offense kind of started slow overall. C.J. Stroud was a little bit unsure of himself in the first half. Uh, but then, of course, the second half happened uh, where they only I think they only tossed the rock like eight times in the entire second half. But they averaged 47 yards per completion in the second half. Uh, thanks much in part to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Uh, Garrett Wilson went five receptions for 80 yards and a score. That was the team lead in receptions. And But Olave just looked like the difference maker. You know, the absolute stud that just scored from way downtown. Four receptions for 117 yards and a couple scores. Uh, he needed a slight boost to his production profile. And yes, it's coming in his final year. And if you follow us here at Rotoviz, you know we like earlier breakouts and later career breakouts mean less. But it's good to see uh, Chris Olave looking like the top three wide receiver that he is going to be in this NFL draft class next spring. So Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, probably going to be top 20, top 25 
picks in next year's draft. Just You can pretty much lock it up. Uh, staying in the Big Ten, though, uh, going to my alma mater and David Bell at Purdue. Looking like there's the dude again. Had eight catches for 134 yards. You know That's 43% of Purdue's re- receiving yards in week one in their victory over, over Oregon State. A- another guy that really didn't have much to prove this year. Like He could have gone pro last year had he been eligible and he would have been an early pick. Uh, already had a 73rd percentile adjusted production index and, and looking like he's going to continue to smash and even improve that this year. Uh, but he's just an, an alpha and an X wide receiver that reads, can be a jump ball guy, but does enough to separate two uh, NFL teams are just going to love him. I, I, I think he's not going to get the round one buzz by everybody, but he's, he's that guy that's going to be in that, that Terrace Marshall category, but at worst. Because uh, he's got that crazy high touchdown percentage for Purdue. He didn't didn't this week, but he's probably on the season going to have ridiculous marks there. So I'd say early day two for David Bell is, again, looking like that's the easy trajectory to pre- predict and project. A few more monsters here at wide receiver before I round things out of tight end and quarterback. A couple names to know. Traylon Burks, it's going to be a low-volume year <laughs> for Arkansas. Uh, KJ Jefferson is is more of a mobile threat than Felipe Franks was last year for Arkansas. Traylon Burks uh, seriously accounted for 33% of the receiving yards and five of the, tw- the t- only 12 receptions, uh, but it only had like 40-something yards. Uh, so he didn't really have much to prove this year in terms of uh, his production profile, but it would be it would be nice to see him crisp in his routes. It would be nice to see him kind of diversify his route tree, do a little bit more of things that we like to see on film too. But as far as his analytics go, he's checked most boxes at this point, and he's got that six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound frame. Plays almost like a big slot tight end, but he can stretch the field with the speed on the perimeter too. Another huge guy who actually played mostly slot last year, but uh, can push outside as well, Drake London, USC. 12 receptions in the first week, accounted for over half of the receiving yards for the Trojans in his first week. If he gets a few touchdowns this year, and uh, he that wasn't a problem last year, he could have the best production profile of any USC wide receiver since Juju Smith-Schuster. So Drake London, we already have him ranked really high here at Rotovays. I believe he's a top 25 overall kind of player. But uh, just really going to be fun seeing him be uh, the, the focal point of that that really spread offensive attack uh, that, that likes to distribute the, the target more to other names uh, typically, but it looks like it's his show and his target share to own all season long already. And Rakeem Jarrett over at Maryland, former five-star guy who was actually rated higher than Kayshawn Boutte uh, by many coming into the process, uh, just looks like uh, amazing already. He and Dante Demas look fantastic, both uh, with about a half dozen receptions and over 120 receiving yards and a score. But uh, Rakeem Jarrett, of course, paired with t- uh, Tua Tungabailoa's little brother and Talia Tungabailoa at Maryland. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett is already off to a great start, 35% dominator rating, uh, should maintain that kind of mark and really round out his production profile. Uh, even last year, uh, Rakeem Jarrett was basically the second or third most productive uh, by percentages, like, uh, you know, dominator rating, yards per team pass attempt, a few other variables. He, he looked like the second or third most productive true freshman in the nation uh, among Power 5 schools, uh, and that, that's continuing already. Uh, Marvin Mims, another second-year guy uh, at Oklahoma, uh, five receptions, 117 receiving yards, no touchdowns for him this week, 
Uh, in fact, a true freshman on his team, Mario Williams, actually had six catches and a score, uh, but only 37 yards with those six catches. Uh, but, uh, you know, Marvin Mims looks like he's going to be the focal point of that passing attack. Jaden Hazelwood should be in the mix. Looks like he's clearly second or third. But Mario Williams, a guy who was slated to split uh, snaps with Mike Woods uh, in, in one of the wide receiver positions for them, it looks like he's probably going to be a volume guy and uh, a, a true freshman breakout candidate, Mario Williams, uh, one of the highest rated freshman uh, recruits in the nation entering this season. So that should be a lot of fun. But over to tight end, Michael Mayer, of course, for Notre Dame, was an absolute beast. Went nine receptions, 120 yards, and a score. Uh, he, he already looked like he was ready for the NFL draft coming out of high school. Uh, but uh, grabbed 42 receptions last year. Already had a ridiculous production profile as far as tight ends go. Uh, he's he's going to be a first-round pick in 2023. There's just no other way to, to say it. It's obvious he's going to be a first-round pick. A few lower names uh, that you just might want to tuck away here. Sam Laporta for Iowa. He looks like he could be the next Iowa tight end to watch. Uh, we all will have a, a good Iowa tight end. Uh, they seem to produce and get some capital. Or, and even if they don't get capital, they produce. Uh, so Sam Laporta. Uh, Trey McBride had 13 catches for Colorado State, which is just absurd, but it makes sense. He was basically a ridiculous percentage of the offense last year. Actually caught all of the touchdowns, 100% of Colorado, <laughs> Colorado State's touchdowns last year through the air. Uh, didn't have one this week, but uh, should continue to dominate there for the Rams. And then Kate Otten, uh, Washington embarrassed themselves and lost to Montana, but Kate Otten is going to be the go-to target for the Washington Huskies this year, uh, grabbed eight receptions in his first game. Uh, and then uh, Payne Durham and Greg Dulcich. Payne Durham, Purdue, kind of came out of nowhere. He, he did okay last year, but he, he wasn't grabbing seven receptions for 120 yards in the game. So uh, that that is at least a name to keep on your radar. Probably a day three guy from an athletic standpoint, uh, as well as Greg Dulcich for UCLA, probably more of a day three type guy but Dulcich is probably going to be the, the second first or second target for the Bruins this year on a, on a decent offense but as for the the surefire studs that we have ranked pretty high that should be doing pretty well Eric Gilbert is still apparently not really with Georgia right now so that situation just praying he figures out uh, the off the field stuff because he his his skill set yeah uh, he, he's he was the highest rated tight end recruit by 24 7 sports ever he's got crazy ability so let's hope he can get back on the field for Georgia Jula Billingsley uh, was essentially benched to, to uh, open the game by Nick Saban at Alabama. Uh, really odd, uh, but Cameron Latu, the tight end for them, actually scored twice. So if Billingsley ever does get back on the field, he could produce immensely because it looks like uh, Bama is looking to use their tight ends a little bit more creatively this year in the receiving game. So that's definitely a situation to monitor as well. Of course, Jalen Weidemeyer, uh, probably the rising tight end two for next year. Uh, you know, three catches and 43 yards is not much, but Texas A&M didn't really run, didn't really run many pass plays uh, in week one. So we'll, we'll probably enjoy some some production from him here soon. As for quarterbacks, uh, the obvious names are, are going to be good, but there were some big letdown performances by some big names like DJU against uh, Georgia. Just couldn't have any time at all. Was sacked seven times. There was no no time at all for him to do anything. He's going to bounce back, but definitely some concerns uh, there with the offensive line for Clemson. But man, uh, the passing efficiency marks were just off the charts. There were seriously uh, more than twenty five passers 
uh, who had more than 10 adjusted yards per pass attempt. That's that's not going to hold. We are seeing more and more efficient passers every single year, but that's definitely definitely not going to hold. Uh, Bailey Zappi over at Western Kentucky, uh, hilarious offense to watch. They, they have like 20 transfers. They replaced their entire offense and their offensive play calling staff. Uh, he had seven passing touchdowns. Uh, so that that's going to be a fun team to watch Western Kentucky this year. Uh, CJ Stroud, of course, having the, the half, second half that he did, you know, averaging 47 yards per completion. That's that's insane. Uh, but even guys like, you know, I mean, it was nuts just seeing how many guys that shouldn't be efficient and were. Will Levis for Kentucky, over 15 adjusted yards per pass attempt. Bo Nix was actually efficient somehow. <laughs> it was just a really weird week one. But Matt Corral for Ole Miss, uh, we really need to keep an eye on him because based on the new passing um, passing and rushing combination model that I put together for Rotoviz this year, uh, he outside of his fall-apart games, his profile was easily above the 90th percentile in passing efficiency, and he had crazy rushing yard market share. Uh, he's one of a few guys that, that have the, the arm strength, have all the tools, and the great analytical profile. If he can just control and limit the turnovers this year, Matt Corral for Ole Miss could creep up into the quarterback two conversation, maybe even quarterback one conversation if he's if he really cleans things up. But Bryce Young, of course, looked basically perfect. Alabama is absurd at how they can just bring in guys and, and plug and play their quarterbacks. But no no surprises there. He was a five-star talent. Uh, you know, basically perfect game outside of the fumble. Had 344 passing yards in his first start for Bama. Uh, so keep an eye on him. He's probably going to be a first-round pick. Probably have to put him up near DJU, DJU now. Probably have to put him up near uh, the top of our rankings for Debbie Fantasy Leagues this year as well. But that's probably all the time I have. Uh, right now on this particular podcast but there's about 50 names to stick in your back pocket and uh, sift through and keep note of this year we'll we'll update some of the production profiles probably not this many but just wanted to give you a bunch of names to to kind of put in your back pocket now do some research on your own uh, as we progress and kick off week two here in the college football season but uh, we'll have an nfl focused episode later this week with stefan so be looking forward to that So I hope you guys are enjoying the kickoff of college football and week one now of the NFL season. But until next time, you guys take care and expect many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast.